The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, UFC 288 right around the corner, May 6th from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. The Bantamweight title takes center stage as Aljamain Sterling welcomes back the former two-division champ Henry Cejudo in the main event. But that is not the only scheduled five-round fight with big stakes going down on this card. And here to talk about the UFC's return to the Garden State, the man who will be calling the action on May 6th and one half of the co-hosting duo of the Anik and Florian podcast. John Anik, kind enough to join us right before UFC 288. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, buddy. Good to be with you. It's been a crazy first quarter to 2023, right? We have already banked five pay-per-views. Many of those have been international. So a little bit of a pause here in the action and excited to get back to it on May 6th and always good to chop it up with a, a fellow New Englander, you know? Absolutely. So but before we get into everything, there, there's one question that's on everybody's mind. It has sent shockwaves across the MMA community. People have been reacting to it like crazy from media members to fighters, pundits, etc. As we record, John Anik, the NFL draft is coming up and MMA fighting for the second straight year. We had our draft where we each represent different promotions and we draft. And I was given the pleasure of being the director of talent relations for the UFC. Maintained a lot of value with my draft. Got some new horses to the stable. I think you would like them. And then that snake, that brilliant snake, Shaheen Al-Shadi, drafted you to one championship, John. It sent shockwaves. It's like a punch to the stomach, dude. Unreal. Wow, that is amazing. Wheels up, huh? Lot international travel now. <laughs> well, if you didn't like it before, you're gonna learn to love it now. That's wow. well, I couldn't. Hey, I am I am honored. I am honored to whatever degree, but uh that's fun, man. It's always a great time of year. I mean, you and I could talk for days about a lot of things today, right? I know people talk about September as being the best time of year in sports. For me, it is absolutely right now. Baseball starting, playoffs for the NHL and the NBA, and uh, obviously the UFC has got a Super Bowl once a month, essentially. So it's a good time to be a sports fan. 
And of course, UFC 288 coming up soon. Main event, we get Aljamain Sterling. He's looking to defend his title for the third time, and he will do so against Henry Cejudo. And, and John, I have given Henry a hard time for a while. I thought he sort of botched the whole retirement thing. The comeback talks weren't great. I didn't enjoy him. And people weren't buying it. There are people who still call into my show that still don't buy it. They won't believe Henry Cejudo is coming back till he actually gets into the octagon. But then they booked this fight. And I understood it. I rolled my eyes a little bit. And then I accepted it. But now, man, as we're days away from this one, I am utterly compelled and intrigued by this fight, John Anik. It has grown on me in a number of ways, ways I didn't think it would. So I'm curious, is this a fight for you that you were all in on from Jump Street with how the division looked at the time that the rumbling started? Or is this one that you needed to kind of pour water on to watch it bloom first? Well, I think you set it up well. And of, of course, I have to be careful with my words, as always, when I talk about anybody on this roster. But I think for a lot of us in a true meritocracy, in what we would argue one through 75 is the UFC's deepest division, 135 pounds, there's a wealth of number one contenders. Marlon Chito Vera was title shot worthy before he took the Corey Sandhagen fight. I told him not to take that fight, right? So there was not a lack of a number one contender. And I think even the undisputed UFC Bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, was outwardly surprised when he pulled the masses between Henry Cejudo and Sugar Sean O'Malley. And there was a lot of support for Henry Cejudo. I would even take it a step further and suggest to you, because you were lukewarm at the beginning, that... I feel like maybe Dana White even had some initial reluctance to immediately let Henry Cejudo return into championship setting. But I do think when you look at all factors, internal metrics, what Henry Cejudo has accomplished as a combat sports athlete, the opportunity for Aljamain Sterling, in my mind, to cement himself as the greatest bantamweight of all time with the strength of a win over Henry Cejudo, there's a lot at play. And largely, I would agree with you that my enthusiasm, my appetite for this fight has sort of perpetually steadily grew as opposed to my reaction for Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns, which as soon as it was announced, I just couldn't even, didn't even know what to do with my hands or my feet or my mouth. So yeah, we'll certainly talk about that. We we mentioned our MMA fighting draft and I reclaimed, and and I'm glad you mentioned Aljo and where he stands right now, because I reclaimed the services of Aljo as my Bantamweight champion. And I got him at as a, at a steal. Final pick of the fifth round, John. He was the 25th overall pick in this draft. I had to take him. And that moment just reaffirmed to me that Aljamain Sterling is one of, hell, he might be, at worst, top five most underrated and undervalued fighters maybe in the last decade. This resume is spectacular. The guy beat a slew of talented, high-risk guys on the way to a title shot. Wins the belt in a strange way, but a fair way. That's a DQ by all metrics. People said Aljo should lean into it and be the heel. And he did. And then people just began to dump on him more and wins the rematch with Jan. Clear win for me. Beats TJ Dillashaw. Again, another weird one with the the shoulder. Not his fault, but people continue to just forget how good he is. And I, and I know his head coach, Ray Longo, is a fixture on your show, but why does he not get the credit he deserves? Well, I think it's trifold, really. I think, number one, no champion, undisputed champion in UFC history has won the title for the first time quite like the way he did against Piotr Jan at UFC 259, and you set all of that up. Then the TJ Dillashaw fight left people feeling shortchanged because Dillashaw came in with a devastating, potentially career-ending injury. So there's those two factors. And then just in the court of public opinion or in terms of mass appeal – 
He was someone who had to, I think, gradually resonate with people. It was sort of a gradual appreciation for those of us that maybe didn't know exactly who he was and what he was all about early on. You know, Ray Longo has even suggested that I sort of planted my flag on that athlete even before Ray himself had, right? That I thought that the ceiling was championship and I really felt like he had the medal to go with the back taking and all of the other skills. But, you know, he's married to the game. He's smart when it comes to his training. He's not a lot. He's not afraid to have some recreational time after a fight and then get back to it. He knows his body exceedingly well. He has masterfully set up training camps in both Las Vegas and New York, knows exactly what he needs to prepare for these championship fights. And uh, respect to the incumbent greatest band weight of all time, Dominic Cruz, one of my best friends in the world. If I got married this weekend, he might even be uh, a groomsman. But when you look at Aljamain Sterling's body of work and you look at the length of this unbeaten streak, were he to be able to add a finish of Henry Cejudo to this legacy? Heaven forbid a win over Sean O'Malley thereafter. Aljamain Sterling is one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, if not number one, and certainly to your point, uh, still underappreciated despite, you know, the wealth of UFC accomplishment. And then we have Triple C. Henry Cejudo beats the aforementioned Dominic Cruz. He walks away, and now he has some things to prove. He wants to come back. The hunger has 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 emerged. And I actually talked to Eddie Cha and Captain Eric Elbarcin last week. Henry is a mystery. No doubt. Kind of like John Jones was heading in the zero gone fight. It's hard to prepare for a guy who just hasn't fought in three years. But those guys did a damn good job piquing my interest, John. They said Henry just kept working. He coached. Obviously, we see his YouTube content. Fight IQ grows tremendously. Student of the game watches everything. And they're saying he hasn't missed a beat skill set wise. Yet he's a smarter, more calculated fighter than he was even during that run when he was holding multiple titles. So from a broadcasting standpoint, what questions do you have about Henry Cejudo heading into this first fight in three years? So if ever there were an athlete on this roster top to bottom who could come back and do so with flying colors after an extended layoff like this, I think it's Henry Cejudo. Now, we did notice that he had a pretty significant cut that seemed to happen early on in this training camp. I'm sure you've ingested some of the footage on his YouTube channel and in other places. So perhaps that had some sort of factor in terms of the optimal nature of this training camp. But I pulled out my Henry Cejudo notes earlier today and you know, just the the appetite for training, the appetite for knowledge, altitude capsules, cognitive work, nutrition, brain analysis, right? All of that was accompanying his championship run while he was still here. Now he's had the opportunity as the mental giant that he already is to step away and watch film and be a coach and ingest everything that the sport has had to offer. He has stepped away physically, to be sure. But mentally, I think he's even more embedded than he was when he left. So I do think it stands to reason that he could come back and be great. But yeah, man, the five-round cardiovascular base is always going to be a question for me. Touching down on that octagon canvas, you can simulate it as best you can, but it's just different being in an active competition cycle. And uh, and I guess my wide-ranging question is why did he come back? And perhaps we'll get a clear answer in the fighter meeting as to whether or not it was financial or if he really eventually sees this as a path to becoming C4 and dethroning Alexander Volkanovsky or Yaya Rodriguez and becoming a three-division UFC champion. Um, and how long is he going to be here, Michael? Because I don't know that either. But who knows if we'll get clear answers in the fighter meetings. But I'm very excited to see what he can do, uh, especially given this extended layoff. Yeah, and, and that was one of my big rolling of the eye portions of it is how long is he going to be around? Because the Sean O'Malley bag is right there. Cause even if out, no matter who wins this fight, you can go fight Sean O'Malley. Sean's the biggest star in this division right now. So, and it seemed would be 
they either whoever wins is probably gonna be the the betting favorite in that fight against Sean O'Malley. It's a tough fight, but you would think that whether it's Aljo or Cejudo, no matter how this fight goes, they're going to be the betting favorite against Sean O'Malley. Most people would probably pick them to beat Sean O'Malley, even though Sean had a great performance against Piotr Jan and in, in, in a fight that I still think is tremendous to go back and watch. But do you feel like the winner is definitely going to fight Sean here? Because we got Marab, we got Sanhagen, who has looked incredible since the loss to Piotr Jan. You have to think the UFC playbook reads winner gets O'Malley, but both fighters in this case have their reasons as to why Right now with the win, they could just go up to 45 and, and fight Volk. Aljo to make room for Marab, and then Cejudo just to try to make history. Because I'm waiting for that moment where Henry wins the fight, and he's like, I ain't fighting anybody till Volkanovski. That's like the big question I have. And then we're just not going to see him until Volk's like, all right, I'll fight this dude. But Bro, he's got other things to do. <laughs> there are so many questions, and so many more questions could open up. What if Aljamain Sterling's on the wrong side of a close split decision? Is he not worthy of an immediate rematch? But with Sean O'Malley with a number one next to his name, to your point, the biggest superstar in the division, you think they're going to go to great lengths to give Aljamain Sterling his immediate rematch? Probably not. So, yes, Sean O'Malley's next fight is going to be for the championship. I understand why he didn't have a great appetite for being a backup wants to have that championship training camp unless there's something that's going on behind closed doors that I'm not privy to. But yes, unequivocally, yes, that is as easy a question as I've ever had if I could be short-winded about it. Sean O'Malley's next fight will be for the title, whether it's against Henry Cejudo or Aljamain Sterling or may Rob Dwalish Willie in a vacant championship situation. So many questions. That's why I think the the post-fight could be even more fascinating than uh, than what we actually get on Saturday, May 6th. In our line of work, we love when that happens. That's obviously a really huh. interesting fight. Aljo is just a monster at that division. Cejudo doesn't get enough credit for his strength and athleticism and is a fight IQ. Big time fight at 135. But John, you mentioned it earlier. The MMA community was, was a very sad place for a little while. We found out Charles Oliveira out of the co-main event against Benil Dariush. Luckily, that has been rebooked. UFC 289 in June. So we won't have to wait, wait too long for that fight. But we were wondering what will fill this spot. And what we got is a five-rounder between Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. The gusto of these two fighters, John Anik, considering where this division is right now, this is something else. I know you were trying to figure out what to do with your hands, but what was your overall reaction when Dana White announced that this fight was happening, five rounds with everything on the line here? Well, mass excitement, even though I may curb some of my enthusiasm as this answer goes on, because to have a sporting event of this magnitude without the proper training camp or preamble seems a little bit inconvenient for the athletes at play. Gilbert Durinho Burns is the man. He's an absolute throwback. I love this cycle that he is in right now, desiring to clear out this entire division, even as a non-champion, to make him unequivocally the number one contender. I like the fact that Leon Edwards is sort of biding his time a little bit, waiting for a number one contender to emerge. Bilal Muhammad became... In a meritocracy, the number one contender, in my opinion, when Hamza Chimaev left the division. If Hamza Chimaev was still here, the no-brainer fight to make right now, in my humble opinion, would be Leon Edwards against Hamza Chimaev, a fight that they thrice tried to make and didn't materialize. Hamza left the division. That opened the door for Colby Covington, Bilal Muhammad, and Gilbert Burns on the strength of his win over Jorge Masvidal to be jockeying for position as the number one contender. I love that it's five rounds. I just feel like it's interesting more than anything else. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but would you not agree with me that it is interesting and unique to mixed martial arts that you would have a professional sporting contest of this magnitude and it would happen 
on two and a half weeks notice, right, where maybe for Bilal, a lot of the focus is going to be cutting weight. This sporting event is so important as a title eliminator that it really would make more sense as the co-main event, even if it's five rounds leading in to Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, if indeed that is to happen in Abu Dhabi in October, right? So I love that Gilbert and Bilal are stepping up. Selfishly for me, bro, I'm going there in two weeks. Are you kidding me? As a mixed martial arts fan, it's amazing. But I happen to know the particulars acutely. And for Bilal Muhammad, yes, Ramadan is done now, but he's off doing charity work. He's not training three times a day. So don't you think to fight Gilbert Burns, he would like to have a a full training camp. But, and I told you this answer was going to be long. In our fighter meetings, oftentimes I say to the high-profile athletes, sometimes the hugely high-profile fights and opportunities in this sport come up on short notice. And those that are ready for them can take advantage. And even if Colby Covington is next for the title, we're determining a number one welterweight contender on Saturday, May 6th. And uh, fudge if I'm not excited about it. <laughs> well, well said. I hate to be negative here, John, but it, but in most fights, it, because you mentioned the high stakes, and, and I agree with you to a certain extent about the short notice nature of this. This didn't need to happen right now. And I actually felt like, the card as it was shaped current before, once we found out that Oliver Darius is off the card, it was still fine. Like it was still a pretty good card. We had Frivola and Dober up on the main card. Jan Jonan and Jessica Andrade was the co-main, but they were like, nope, we're going to do something big here. We're going to do something big. One of these guys is going to win and one of these guys are going to lose, John. And with the stakes where they are at right now, they just, like you said, they couldn't be any higher unless the belt is on the line. And Gilbert has gotten his shot in the past and Bilal hasn't gotten there yet. But will he, he'll get there if he gets a win. What happens to the man who doesn't? How long does the road back to this position get for either guy? And do you feel like one road would be longer than the other, depending on the result? Not as long as you think. And I do think that both of these guys are sort of willing to play the long game, even if that's three or four years right now, to make one or two more runs to be the welterweight contender. Now, it is public knowledge that the UFC wanted to set up a fight between Bilal Muhammad and Shavkat Rachmanov. So let's just say that Bilal loses as a betting underdog to Gilbert Burns on May 6th. Not out of the realm of possibility that he finds himself in a main event against the 17-0 with 17 finishes, Shavkat Rachmanov, this summer, which candidly, if he knew that fight would have earned him a title fight, he would have accepted that fight in a minute, right? So it's not out of the realm of possibility that that fight still happens. And in that scenario, I'm not sure that Bilal loses a whole lot and could find himself expeditiously back in this conversation. And for Gilbert Burns, he seems to have adopted a mentality and a physicality about that he's just going to be, he doesn't cut a lot of weight, right? I think he can be the short notice king of this division. It's great when you can have a guy near the top who is willing to make willing and able to make weight and fight frequently. So uh, as high as the stakes are, and as much as I love on the Anakin Florian podcast to talk about these two-year championship setbacks, I'm not sure in this fight that the loser loses a whole lot, but I guess we shall see. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Both guys deserve a ton of credit. Burns, second straight pay-per-view card. Mr. I'll fight every weekend. Muhammad answering the call, putting it all on the line. Fascinating stuff. Rest of the main card, we mentioned Jessica Andrade going back to 115 against John Jonan. Bryce Mitchell loses Jonathan Pierce as an opponent. Now gets in terms of rankings, and in my personal opinion, a much tougher test in the undefeated Marvzar Vloyev. And then Charles Jordan versus Crone Gracie, John? Crone Gracie? That one came out of freaking nowhere. Isn't that amazing? And Matt Frivola and the, uh, the steamroller taking on Drew Dober, one of the higher profile fights of his career. But yeah, it was fun to uh, to pull out the Crone Gracie notes in advance of our conversation, right? Minimal UFC experience overall has about a half an hour, you know, of fight time. But uh, I'm excited to have Crone Gracie on the card. And I think to your point, there is a lot of depth on this card. If they were to add like Marvin Vittori, Paolo Costa, which or not, no, Paolo Costa and Jan Bohovic, excuse me, were they to have added that fight to this card? That wouldn't have been a title eliminator. So I thought that would have been a nice shot in the arm. And and obviously you up the ante even more when you add Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. But yeah, we're loading. Marina Rodriguez trying to rebuild a little bit against Vina Janji Doba. And I will say, I was at Fortis MMA in Dallas last week and I saw Kennedy and Zetchiku, who's fighting Devin Clark at UFC 288. Kenny and Zetchiku is the hardest worker in the room, man. Like, that's what I saw going to Fortis MMA. And if you know his story, his mother passed recently, but part of the reason he was fighting is because she had ALS and he was fighting to help pay for her medical care. The dude's a total inspiration. And um, to see him pre- preparing firsthand for the Devin Clark fight has me uh, pretty excited to see, see what he can do with uh, with the spot on a big card. Yeah, he's he's something. You can never count that guy out of, out of any fight, that's for sure. Dober Favola, and, and I know... A lot of people wanted this on the main card and for a few days it was, but if you want a fight that's going to be on television, that's going to get people that were on the fence to click that buy now button on their television screens last minute, it's a pretty damn good option to have in that spot. Is it not? Oh, I love it. I love that slot. It stands to reason that more eyeballs are going to be on that fight than any fight of the entire night. And 
I also feel like it's interesting from a production standpoint, right? Because oftentimes if you win a decision in the featured prelim, you do not get a post-fight interview. And if you do get one, it can be pretty quick because we're up against pay-per-view. We can actually bleed that 10 p.m. Eastern a little bit, but we can't really bleed it too much. And that oftentimes is a huge fight with major consequence divisionally. I don't know that we're necessarily going to need all of that 15-minute allotment for uh, for Drew Dober and Matt Frivola. But it's interesting at 155 pounds because Matt Frivola is like number 27 in the world. Dober has flirted with the rankings. But Matt Frivola believes that he can compete with any lightweight in the world. He fought on Ron Sarukian on 24 hours notice, right? So it's always interesting for me. And granted, I had the Longo relationship and Frivola is a friend of the show. And, but it's always interesting for me when you followed a guy's career and he finally gets to this point and believes without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to win there and knock out Drew Dober. Excited to see what, what Matt, the steamroller Frivola can do with the showcase. His father, Sal, the bulldozer Frivola, whole family is engaged. We'll see what happens. He's getting over too. He's getting over with the social media game. Love to see it. You love to see yeah. it. I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I assume it'll be uh, the usual trio on the call for this one. Yes. Yes. UFC 288 Joe Rogan will be in the building. Yes. And DC as well. All right. Uh, Dana White's been very busy announcing a lot of fights recently. Uh, yeah, International Fight Week, as we mentioned, July 8th in Vegas. Right now, Volk Rodriguez unification bow that's targeted to headline. Hasn't been officially announced, but it seems like things are heading in that direction. We get Brandon Moreno, Alexander Pantoja for the flyweight title. Whitaker, DDP, Bo Nickel, Treshawn Gore, Robbie Lawler, Nico Price, Sean Brady, Jack Della Maddalena is being targeted. Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner, Figgy Smalls versus Manel Cop. This thing is uh, shaping up pretty nicely for what's going to be a massive week for the UFC. And there's still spots to fill, John. Dude, that is insane when you just rifle those off one after the other. How about Drakus Duplessis and Robert Whitaker? How would you like to have surgery for a deviated septum and then fight Robert Whitaker a couple of months later? No, it's a huge, huge fight. And Duplessis deserves the fight. Robert Whitaker, I think, is going to appreciate the fresh nature of this challenge. And I think it's going to bring out the best of him in his training camp. And it's a really interesting predicament for the UFC because Robert Whitaker really has laid a foundation to fight the champion a third time. And if he's able to beat Duplessis here, and he will probably be prohibitively favored to do so, then they're probably going to have to put that fight together for a third time. And I know public perception kind of differs as to how close the second fight was between Whitaker and Izzy. I'm excited to see what Duplessis can do with Robert Whitaker. You know, I know he has taken issue uh, with Izzy and some suggesting that maybe he needs one more win. I love this kid. I have a great personal relationship with him, but I do believe he needs one more win. You go out there and beat Robert Whitaker, you're the unquestioned number one contender. So that one jumps off the card for me. And uh, there's a little bit of friction between Moreno and Pantoja, which we like a lot of history between those two men. And uh, I, I feel pretty confident you're going to get the best primed primal version of both men uh when they meet this july yeah dude we're we're loaded man i'm just trying not to swear today you know my family's telling me i'm swearing a little bit too much so i'm making a concerted effort not to cuss today i heard the fudge earlier and it, it was amazing i i can't help but notice the photo over what's i think it's your right shoulder as we talk uh nathan diaz right there jake paul they're boxing in august in dallas yeah. you were just in dallas and uh at least that's what we hope, John, because I'm sure you saw the videos with uh, with Nate, the Misfits boxing stuff, and the fight spills outside, and it gets ugly, and a Logan Paul lookalike gets choked unconscious, and now there's arrest warrants and all that legal stuff. What, what did you think of all that? I think if I have another son, I'm going to name him Diaz. 
You know, I mean, you see, I have the guy on my wall. I have a 209 tattoo on my arm. Maybe you should ask another guy this question. I don't know all the details, right? Um, I wish I was a better jujitsu player. You know, I wish that I was lethal enough to sort of put a man to sleep with uh, with my arms and my mind in self-defense, you know. But, um, yeah, I hope the fight holds up because um, I think Nate has a better chance than a lot of people are suggesting. But um, yeah, I'm disappointed for him to be sort of mired in this legal situation, but based upon the footage that I saw and based upon what I know those guys to be, uh, I believe Nate was really just acting in self-defense and I hope that it all works out for him. Yeah, same. I mean, they booked a press conference for early next week as we talk. So it looks like uh, the plans are to keep the fight in the books. Are are you going to go? You and Longo? Is that happening? I was actually thinking about going, you know, it's my daughter's birthday, which is obviously a point of contention for her, but it's very rare that I would have a UFC weekend off and have a sporting event that would, uh, that would really intrigue me to that extent. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to be in the building to support Nate. We'll see what happens. All right. Maybe I'll go there as well. We'll see. Uh, let's go. I, I do want to ask you about this because after every one of these fight night cards, we have a big divisional debate, right? And heavyweight is at the top of everybody's minds right now because we just had a card and, as we record a few days ago, Sergey Pavlovich knocks out Curtis Blades. And a lot of people, we know how this sport is with recency bias. They just want to, they're just like, screw Stipe. Let's just jump him over Stipe and have him fight John Jones. And I think at this point, very unlikely to happen because Dana said they're looking at MSG for Jones Stipe. That's what John wants. You want to keep the man happy. Let's say John wins that fight, beats Stipe. It's a legacy fight, no doubt. Be a great addition to the resume. John, as you know, is a prize fighter. He wants big names. He wants big stars to fight. And if John beats Stipe, do you think he'll fight Sergey Pavlovich? And look, this isn't a he's scared kind of thing because John Jones ain't scared to fight anybody. He's the greatest fighter of all time. So I don't want to get that twisted, but I just don't know if that's one that's going to get him just super jacked up from like a, a marquee perspective. You know what I mean? I just don't know how long John Jones is going to be around. I feel like... Going into the fight with Cyril Gaon, he had a more open mind about two or three or four UFC fights. Now he has checked that box. He's the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion. And I just feel like he has financial freedom and the Stipe fight will give him further financial freedom. And win or lose, I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk off into the sunset. Yeah, it would be weird to see him never lose in mixed martial arts and then to maybe lose to Stipe and then walk off. But I just don't know that he has the appetite to fight somebody like Sergei Pavlovich at this stage of his career. Now, Pavlovich is the effing man. He has done what no one has ever done just in terms of knocking guys down and knocking guys out in succession, right? So, and I do think he has a big Russian following an increasing domestic following and a style that is a promoter's dream for a heavyweight champion. So I do think Pavlovich checks a lot of boxes. And I do think as Kenny Florian and others do that the Sergei Pavlovich matchup is a pretty good one for John Jones on paper, at least right now, even though we can't tangibly speak to Pavlovich's improvements as a wrestler or grappler, but, uh, do I think we'll see John Jones and Sergey Pavlovich at some point in the octagon? I'm a betting man. I would say we do not see that fight. I talked to Eric Nixick recently. I'm sure you've had many conversations with him. That man is an optimist to the max, which is one of the things I, I truly enjoy about talking with him. And I sort of laid out this scenario because obviously he's very close to the situation. John beats Stipe and John says, look, I've talked about retiring, but there's one guy that can keep me in this octagon for one more. And that's Francis Ngano. By then, Hopefully Ngana will have scratched the the boxing itch and he's still a free agent. 
and we've been around this business long enough to know how these personalities can be, John. They can be stubborn. Dana can be stubborn. Francis can be stubborn. Hell, I can be a stubborn prick at times. But in this world of combat sports and entertainment, I always live by that never say never mantra. And Eric is kind of the same way. Do you think that sometime next year or before your UFC broadcasting career ends that you will call John Jones versus Francis Ngannou fight? I don't. And you know me, I'm optimistic. Even as a Boston sports fan on a morning like this, I am Ugh. inherently optimistic, but no, I, I just don't see it. And certainly there have been times where sides have been able to realign after what looks like a pretty flammable exit. And this one didn't even seem to be super, super flammable, but I just don't know that Dana White is going to step off of, off of this at this point in time and welcome Francis Ngannou back. I feel like they made a concerted, financially sound effort to get him signed, and, and it didn't happen. So I just don't even know that they would be willing to present the same offer at this point in time. And then is, and again, this is nothing more than speculation, but is Ngannou going to come back for a lesser number than he declined previously? I just think there are too many hurdles. And uh, and as far as the pay-per-view upside and the monetary upside, I can't really speak to, uh, to the extent to which he moves those needles. But I'm hopeful, man. I mean, he's a uh, most devastating power puncher that I've ever seen in there. Sergey Pavlovich closing fast though, Michael. And that snake Shaheen Al Shadi put out a great tweet on Saturday. Francis and Sergey, that's the fight I would have loved to have watched. That's just oh, God. hurts my it hurt my soul ah. to see Shaheen's tweet, man. That 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 would have been incredible. Hurts my head. Hurts my my concussive. I mean, I feel just fists bouncing off of heads, you know. But no, that main event was insane. And uh I thought Curtis Blades really showed himself well in the striking realm, but you just knew as a fan, as you were watching it, it's like, dude, like Sergey's going to be the last man standing as good as Curtis's hands are. And as much as he was landing, uh, there wasn't one minute where I felt like uh, that in that type of engagement and exchange that, uh, that Curtis was going to be the last man standing. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to work a lot of Pavlovich's fights. I'm excited to see him uh, fight live more often now in the future. And presumably I will. Yes, and we know which fight card you will surely be calling in the immediate future. That would be UFC 288, May 6th, Newark, New Jersey. John, you are the man. Always a pleasure. Safe travels to the Garden State, and uh, hopefully I'll get to see you in Las Vegas this July. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate the time, as always. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 